Right. Who wants to do me a little favor and answer this question? The purpose, what is the purpose of the Word of God? What is the purpose of the gospel? You said... To change us. Okay, do we all hear that? To transform us. <laughs> to change us, to transform us is the purpose of the gospel. Amen. That is the absolute truth. God just doesn't want us reading a book for the sake of reading books. God doesn't want us singing songs for the sake of singing songs. He wants us to be changed. He wants us to experience what its life looks like and is in him. He wants us to experience the full life that he came to us to bring, which is called an eternal life. He wants us to experience life. God was to ask you, how much of him have you experienced in a way that's changed you? How would you answer that? Where you can give constant testimony of who you once were and who you now are. If people ran into you who knew you 10 years ago, would they be blown away by who you've become? Would they say, you once were like this, but I see something completely different in you now. I hear a different frequency. I've been watching you. You're not who you once were. You speak different. Your priorities are different. Your life is different. See, there's a real tangible reality that's found in the gospel when the gospel comes into you. And the natural, innate response is to start living differently. You're not trying to live differently. It's just a way of being the follower because of receiving a particular source of power that enters into you and continues to live within you. And it's called the Word of God, which is Christ, who is the power and the wisdom. And so the more we know Christ, the more power we have, the more wisdom we demonstrate. Not the more wisdom, although we will have it in our mind, because we're also having the mind of Christ. As we receive the gospel, we get the mind of Christ, which enables us to live out a particular life called following Jesus. And so if you first time tonight, we've been looking at Christ. Again, funny that. <laughs> We just can't get off this guy called Jesus Christ. Everything we preach is Jesus. Because he's the answer to life. Why would you not want to preach Jesus when he's the answer to life? He is the answer to life, so we've got to keep preaching Jesus. And um, we've seen Jesus is the belt of truth. And we are to gird our loins with the belt of truth. What else have we looked at? The breastplate of righteousness. Knowing that we are all right the day we receive Christ, Christ is our righteousness. So put Christ on. Put him on. Let him put his robe on you. We have to let him put the robe on us. Get comfortable in the robe of righteousness. Why? Because there is a life of righteousness to live out. You see, the crown at the end of the road is a crown of righteousness, which means right standing in God, which means we need to be filled with the power of God, led by the Spirit of God, and do nothing outside of God. That's a life of righteousness. Right standing in God, well, He qualifies me through His blood, then He sends me to go live a life of righteousness. Yes? The righteous shall live by so there's this fascinating thing called faith, which we have to live by, no longer living by ourselves and our own understanding, our own intellect of what we think, but what we can see. So there's this breastplate of righteousness, knowing that I've been absolutely made right so I can live a life of righteousness out by girding my loins with truth. So God fills me with his power. It's called grace. So grace is what I need to live out what truth calls me to which is righteousness. I can't live righteousness out unless I have his grace. That's called legalism. It's where I'm trying to live a life of righteousness in my own strength. Never going to work, never going to happen, never going to receive the crown because I'll give up because it's too hard, isn't it? Then what was what we heard last week? A shield of faith. See, all these words keep coming up again. 
Paul said, I've kept the faith. I finished the course. Do you know you need faith to see the course? Because faith sees the race set before her. And so we run. No faith. Don't know where I'm running. Don't know where I'm running as a leader. Going to lead a whole lot of people to it. Don't know where I'm running. It's called down a pit. And we're all going down a dark hole together. (laughs) So we need the shield of faith. But it's offensive. It's not defensive. It just looks like this. And what does it say? It says it extinguishes the darts of the enemy. You see, when you have faith, you can see. So you see the lie. You'd see the deception. And the arrow doesn't hit because Christ in you, ping, ping, doesn't get into where? Which is the issues of the guard your heart. Otherwise, you get stuff in your heart. You're in trouble. Because the enemy knows everything starts in the heart. So God says, guard your heart with what? The breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, truth, and this thing called the gospel. The gospel of peace. Now, please just hear Jesus. Okay? Everything that's said, just hear Jesus Christ. Let me simplify it all. It's just Jesus in you. It's Christ being formed in you. The more Christ is formed in you, the greater the armor of God in you, the more you can live the life he's called you to live. And as we've been looking at, we cannot fundamentally do that in our own strength or power. It all has to be done through the power of the gospel. The power that rose a guy called Jesus from death to life. Not that came in and changed an old guy who needed kickstarting, but a power that created a brand new created life in Christ Jesus. It's so good. If you didn't like the old model, kick it to touch because you've got a brand new model. Okay? Don't try to live from the old model. You know why we do that? Because you don't know the gospel. That's the truth. You need to receive a word that comes in and kills the old guy and makes the new guy live. So when we try to keep the old guy going, it's because we're operating from our strength. I'm trying to change me. I'm trying to change me. I'm trying to change me. He says, stop trying. You're already dead. Why are you trying to change and bring back to life a dead guy? Put on the robe of righteousness. See, when you see righteousness, everything changes. The entire thing changes. Your perspective changes. Why? Because you've been made right in God. And with that comes the power. Through through the power, you get power of righteousness to live a life of righteousness. The righteousness shall live by this new operating system called faith. But faith in Christ. Everything I can see in Christ is now how I live. God is so good. He gives us everything we need to live lives of godliness. He leaves nothing out. But we must receive everything through the vessel and the vehicle and the way he's given Otherwise, we're in another mode of operation trying to come into something the wrong way. It doesn't work. It's really simple, but it is profoundly mysterious until we enter into this reality. And it's like, man, this is easy now. The testimony of Jesus is sure, making the wise simple. What is it saying? Everything Jesus has accomplished, the testimony of what he has done, everything is finished, yeah? So the finished work, the testimony of Jesus is absolutely sure. It is what it is. It makes the wisdom of God, which looks massive and creates it simple. Just do this through the power and you're away. See, when we try to come into it through our flesh, that's where it gets complicated and hard. Oh, this isn't working. No, no, because you're using a dodgy operating system. It's called you, the flesh, the old, the world. You're never going to come into it through that operating system. Well, what's the new operating system? Great question. It's called the gospel. And receiving the gospel the way I intend. Yeah, And it's the gospel of peace. Bible says it makes me right with God. I now have peace with God. I was out of peace with God because I have sin and iniquity, yeah? So this gospel comes, I now have peace with God. 
But certainly the gospel then is going to bring me into a peace. So I have peace with God. Can you hear what I'm saying? I'm now right with God. I have a peace. But now I want to receive peace in my heart and my mind. So it covers the things of life. So it's not just about being right peace with God. Now I want to have peace in me, fruit of the Spirit, through the gospel. So a couple of questions. I'm going to read the scripture. Ephesians 6.14, and having shod your feet... Ephesians 6.14, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shod your feet. You put on your shoes tonight? Anyone coming bare feet? Mitch, Ray? <laughs> this is what the word shod means, to bind under one's feet. The word shod means to bind under one's feet and having bound under one's feet the preparation of the gospel of peace to wear it to put it on to walk out because we have a message to become and a message to speak see too many followers just speak but they're not becoming we need to have the true testimony of what Jesus is doing in us why so then we actually share we've got an authentic testimony Let me tell you about a guy that died for my sin, rose again. Let me tell you about a guy that's changing my life. It's quite a different story, isn't it? Let me tell you about when I struggled with worry, now I no longer do. Let me share about that I have fear, I no longer fear. Let me show you about I didn't love. Let me tell you I was the meanest, stingiest guy on the planet, and now I'm generous. And the world are like, wow, that's real and true, because I used to know you, and you were a stingy. You've got a testimony that's true that others see and also clarify and say, yes, that is true because you once were this, but now you're this. Wow, who do you know? What happened? How did you change? Did you go to a Tony Robbins seminar? No, I met Jesus Christ of Nazareth and he's changing me the more and more I get to know him. Why? Because I've got the gospel of peace and I'm putting it on, on my feet and I walk in this reality and it's changing me every day. And I speak from that place about a guy I know. Questions. Do we believe we have an evil nature before Christ? You all believe that? How does this evil nature get dealt to? But how does the nature, because I can do good, Mormons do good works. Anyone can do good works. That doesn't mean my evil nature dies. Through the gospel. Through the power of what he did. So there's a power that comes into me that kills that nature that wants to live. It's called my flesh. That wants to do its own thing, have its own way. You see, if I only receive the gospel through words, that doesn't kill my nature. I need to receive the gospel for what Jesus did, the work. That kills my nature. So I can say this. Did Jesus die and rose again for my sin and iniquity? Yes. Will I believe I'll spend my entire eternity with him in eternity? Yes. And I believe that. That doesn't necessarily kill my nature unless what I just said pierces my heart and kills that nature. So that is where we need to get to in receiving the gospel. Okay? The first isn't wrong. It's not wrong. It's right. But there's a reality bigger, stronger than that that needs to enter into me through receiving it through his power. And then all of a sudden, there is this peace in me because of the gospel I received. Now, this is the gospel. The entire book is the gospel. So when you hear good news, don't just think, a little story or a story about a guy that died for my sin. Think the entire manual is good news. And if I get this entire manual into me through the power of the Spirit, how do you think I'm going to be able to live? If that's Jesus in pages and that comes living in me, what have I got in me? The Word in me. Who's the Word? Christ. You think anyone could stop Christ? No. Is that what he demonstrated? Yes. Do you think anyone can stop you? No. Why? Because he defeated death. You don't die. Even if someone shoots you, 
Physically, yeah, you're dead, but you're alive. You jump out of your body. If he likes you, he might give you back your life. <laughs> Can you hear what I'm saying, though? It's the indestructible life. What order is it of? Melchizedek, which is an indestructible life of the what? Flesh or spirit? You're getting some sort of grasp of how big the gospel is? Not from the Levitical priesthood. That's a physical lineage. Great. Served its purpose. Awesome. Don't think that's what it's about. Incompletion. He came from no genealogy. And he says, do you want to be my sons and daughters? Going to have to leave some things behind. Going to have to have some other priorities, other passions. I know you had dreams. Going to have to maybe leave them behind. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see as we go. But he prepared to lay them down. Because I've got some dreams. I've got some passions. I've got some purposes. It's contained in me. You're interested? Anybody interested? And I've got this power that's going to do it all. You won't have to do anything but surrender. <laughs> what an offer. It's so crucial we know that we are right in him when he comes along and wants to start to unveil the hood. Yeah? You see, when we don't know how right we are in him, we actually resist him opening up the hood because we're afraid of what he's going to find. But he already knows it's there. And he comes to set you free of what's under your hood, what's in your heart. But you need to know he, you, he, he loves you. You need, to have no, you need to know that love, not about it. You need to have received it because it's like, come on, man. I want to be free of this thing, so here we go. And you lie on the table called the altar and say, go to work. Because I give you my offer of worship. And it's a continuous work of repentance, isn't it? Not of... Yeah, this power. See that, eh? (laughs) Of him bringing us into who we are in him. He is for us, for us, for us, for us. He is not against us. And everything he does and allows is for us to bring us into the life that he's called us into. And the gospel is the vehicle through the spirit to which it all works. True worshipers worship me in spirit and truth. Cool. Romans 5.1, therefore having been justified by faith, just as if I've never, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what we all need to know. If you're in Christ, you have peace with him. That's good news, isn't it? You have peace. You're right. Thank you, Father. I have peace with you. This is good. Now we're going to work. Because I want to build you. I've got a very purposeful, intentional picture of my mind of what I'm going to build you into. Who I'm going to build you into. What you're going to be able to accomplish when I build my church. Jesus even writes it down. I will build my people. And what? What's the promise after that passage? The gates of Hades will not overpower. So the church Jesus builds, the kingdom of darkness does not overpower. That sounds like a pretty strong people, doesn't it? Right. And it's time for us to come into that. But as we mature and grow, because we are receiving the gospel the way God intends, we become those people that we recognize the light. Why? Because I've girded my loins with truth. I've got the breastplate of righteousness on. I've got the shield of faith. I've got the gospel, and I've got the sword of the Spirit, and my mind is renewed. So I've got everything I need for the gates of Hades not to overpower me. So take your best shot, because you can't take this person out. 
Not because I am strong, I'm weak, but then I'm strong. In who? Christ. Because why? Because the power is operating within me. Because I'm a vessel that has glory. Did we hear that this morning? Being filled, and it's a new covenantal glory, because I'm a minister of the new covenant. So I have the glory that God promised me in me, being formed because I'm looking at things unseen. This is what all these scriptures mean. And I'm tapping into what is finished, and I'm living from the finished work of the cross, not towards it, because the gospel is doing its work in me. I'm clearly articulating the way of heaven to you. And so I would encourage you to eat this, eat this, eat this, and ask yourself, am I in that way? Because this is the operating system of heaven to bring us into this life that we're able to live out. And guys, he does expect us to. Do you realize that? He has an expectation that we're going to appropriate the life he died for us to come into. Okay? It's not just you love me and I stay the same. We mean, Steph, we're talking about this. We have to find this love, which is God, where we fall in love not for the purpose of function. It's purely because he loves us. Okay? So it's not based on whether I'm going to do anything. So it's this pure love that just loves because it loves, not because it requires me to do anything. When I find that love, which is agape, which is the love of heaven, and I receive it through the power of the word that I've heard continuously, and it's being perfected in me, then guess what? I want to do some things with him. I want to please him. I want to lay my life down. I want to see his will accomplished in me, through me, in others here on earth. So out of that comes this absolute desire to see his will, which I know because I've spent time with him, accomplished. And so I run in the race that's already preset before the foundations of the earth, and it's that narrow path, that crack right there. It's a very narrow one, and I walk on it like this. And I don't go to the left or to the right. And at the end of that line and end of that race, there is a crown that awaits me because I actually did it from love, from under the word and the spirit and truth, and had the work done in me and through me. And so he says, take your prize. That is an accurate picture of the motivation of obedience by faith. Through love. Okay? And we know all this stuff in the sense of the physical relationships. But for whatever reason, when it comes to God, we stuff it up. How many of us are married? Hey, put your hand up if you married the person you're married to primarily for function. <laughs> I married you for what you could do for me. No, I actually don't think we, any of us probably thought like that. We got married because we just wanted to be with that person, eh? So why do we get it in the flesh? Why do we understand this in the physical? And then when it comes to God, who gives us the foreshadow, so it's God's foreshadow, the human relationship, the physical is his foreshadow to teach us the spiritual truth. But we get it in the physical, but then when we come to the spiritual, we go, right, I've got to earn my way to you. Why do we do that? Because our nature is still living. The old man is still living. The old man is still teaching us stuff. No, 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 no. There's no such thing as unconditional love. You have to earn it to him. You can even know about it here, but then you go live it here. <laughs> so you say one thing, but then you go live completely in the opposite, and that's what you're really saying. So he has to apprehend that. He has to literally grab you like this by the collar in love, and choke the old man out and choke all the life out. How does he do that? Through the gospel of peace. So all of a sudden you receive this gospel of peace and it comes into your spirit and it comes in, not here, here, your spirit, your heart. And all of a sudden it's like you've received this word that pierces into the darkness and now you've got something in you you never had. Now you have a reference for something you never had a reference for, and you know how you got it. So now you go after that thing because you know where it came from, and you know you didn't do it. 
because you've got a reference for your old operating system and that never brought you into anything. But there is a bit of life on it. This is where we get hoodwinked, okay? So understanding this in the mind does create an element of life, but it's false knowledge. It enables you to speak a stuff. It enables you to teach stuff, but you can't live it. It's pharisaical in nature. It's right. It's true. But it's a form of still a false version of Christ. But you can speak it, and you can know all the Hebrew and Greek about it, and you can sound very intellectual, and you can answer all the right questions. But Jesus would say, you're still, you're close, but you haven't yet entered into the kingdom of God. Mark 12, 28 to 34, to the scribe. Because we value the mind over the heart first as the world. That's why love the Lord your God with your heart is actually three, not one. The mind is important, but not your old mind. It's the mind of Christ you need. So how do we get the mind of Christ? Through knowing Christ. How do you get to know Christ? Through receiving Christ. So this is what we do. How many of you are hearing to understand tonight? Don't. Hear to receive. Okay? We hear to understand and then we take notes. Anything wrong with notes? No? Good. It's good. Okay? But hear to receive. The substance of Christ that's coming out of my mouth. That's what you have to receive. Where are you going to receive it? In your spirit. Because the spirit is hovering, wanting to reveal what I'm saying in your soiled, fertile heart, your spirit. Now, you might get that and the mind renewing all at the same time. It's awesome if you do celebrate and you'll have a picture you'll see. My goodness, that was a latte. That was a chit-chat. I'd never understood what those things were before, but now I can see it, so now I can speak of it. Why? Because I received it through the right way. Then my mind got renewed by the Spirit, Ephesians 3 or 4, and now I can see this unseen realm. 2 Corinthians four sixteen to 18. We do not live by sight, physical sight, what do we live by? What's faith, Rodney? (laughs) The ability to see and have an absolute conviction of something that's in an unseen realm, but you see it, and you're actually living in this unseen realm. So you're like the invisible man. It's like you go, wow, this is pretty cool in here. And you're in this other world, this other realm. It's called eternal realm. (laughs) Let me step back into the temple. Now live as if you were here. I've got substance. I just ate food from this invisible realm. Let me tell you about hamburgers and fish and chips. And what do you do? How do you do that, man? I'm living from another place but on earth. And I partake from that place. It's called Jesus because Jesus is eternal life. I can't get into this on my own ability because I'm human. So God fills me with his fire. He fills me with his power. He fills me with his life. That means I have access to the realm of the Spirit now. And the Holy Spirit I've been given as a counselor and as a teacher and as a guide to teach me all things from that realm, but not only to teach me to reveal it in me so I can live in accordance to what is already finished. So now I work. I live from the finished work of the cross, not towards it. It is powerful. Someone calls you an ABC, love you. Someone says, I don't believe what you say, that's okay, love you. Why? Not because you're trying, but the life source in you doesn't know how to act any more different to that. He's not confused. He loves all the time. He doesn't go, don't think I'm going to love that person. He doesn't know how not to love. He doesn't know how not to pour out grace and mercy and kindness. He doesn't know what we know. So if he's in you, like I said, if you squeeze an orange and you get apple juice, that's weird. Something wrong. So if I squeeze a follower and flesh comes out, there's something wrong. 
Now, we're a work in progress, but you want Christ coming out. You want the fruit of the Spirit, love. I squeeze, Cass, love comes out. I squeeze, Cass, joy comes out. Not anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, all those things. See, that's what? The deeds of my flesh, which he's covering with love. But he's saying, come on, man, you need to receive my gospel, my word, because this is going to perfect you in me, in love. Ooh, I think I need a drink. Um, yeah, let me have a drink. Thanks, brother. <laughs> 1 Corinthians four eighteen to 20. I'll just keep flying. I just feel like to fly, okay? It says this. It says, the kingdom of God is not about words. What is it about? power. He says, I'm going to come to test not your words, not what you tell me, not what you teach. Anyone can do that. Anyone can read the book and spout the book. I'm not coming to test your words. I'm coming to test your power. What does he mean? I'm coming to test to see whether you've changed. I'm coming to see if what you say and what you live are the same thing. I'm coming to test your authenticity, and I'm going to expose your hypocrisy. Now he says to me, do you want me to come with a rod, or do you want me to come in love? You choose how I'm coming to you, Rodney. With a rod, a discipline, or long-suffering love? Which one? <laughs> long <laughs> long suffering <laughs> so he says the kingdom is not about words it's about power it says the kingdom is not about eating and drinking it's about what righteousness joy and peace where in the holy spirit so contained in the holy spirit is righteousness joy and peace where is the holy spirit supposed to be living So if the Holy Spirit lives in you and he's your teacher and your guide and your counselor, what is he revealing in you? Righteousness, joy, and peace in him. See the kingdom? It's got nothing to do with the natural. It's got nothing to do with natural water. I know you need this like I just drank it because I'm thirsty, but that's not what this is about. It's not about food. It's not about natural. It's about power. It's not about your ability to articulate words and sound persuasive because I do not want your faith to rest on the wisdom of man. Did you know that? He doesn't want your faith resting on your ability to understand the Greek and the Hebrew and all this stuff and to make notes and notes and notes and think you got it. He wants your faith to rest on his power. 1 Corinthians 2. Paul got this. Paul understood who he was as Saul. He goes, man, I got it so wrong. And now I've become Paul. But how did he become Paul? Revelation of Jesus brought the gospel to light. Most people preach the gospel hoping it's going to point to Jesus. He gets Jesus and it points him to the gospel. Because I've got the testimony of Jesus, what he did, I understand the work of this thing. Not words, the work. And I've got the power of that work in me because Christ is the power of God and he's revealed himself in me. Isn't that what he said in Galatians 1.15? When God chose me before the foundation in my mother's womb to what? Reveal his son in me, life changed. It's all about the inner life. It's all about the issues of the heart. It's all about you allowing your heart to be changed through the gospel. And when he comes, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the past. Don't be afraid of what you're not. He says, you're mine. You're right. Just receive and stand here in my truth because it's going to come and burn you with fire. But it brings life. You will not be vapored up into ashes. You're going to get my beauty. It is all good news through the gospel. And all of a sudden, you're able to do something you couldn't do before called live like Jesus. It's the best message out. 
But what we do is we shrink back. And the fullness of the cross and the old man is going, Ah, that's coming and it wants me to get on it. That's right. It's going to nail you to it. I'm going to nail you to this thing. Ah, He's going, what are you doing? That guy's dead. It's a false reality you believe that we believe. It's a lie. And the enemy tries to plug it too. You see, when you know how right you are, the old guy's gone. He doesn't even exist. So we don't know who we are. We don't know how right we are if we're still trying to change him. Once again, we've got to receive the gospel. It will pierce the heart, realign us. And now we can see our righteousness. It doesn't get any better. Even when I stuff up, I just get back up. No shame. Do you know what? I haven't felt one day of shame. I've stuffed up so many times. I've looked at stuff I shouldn't have looked at. Never had shame. I've had conviction. And I've repented. Like that. Never thought I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not good enough. Never. Why? Because the day in 1997... I knew how right I was because I received the righteousness robe. I received it through the power of the gospel into my heart, into my mind. And I went, I'm right. I'm so right. I need to tell the world how right I am. And even when you stuff up, you're still right. But we don't use it as an excuse. And we don't go, grace has saved me so I can do what I want. It ain't that. Is it? No. But you know how right you are. You can't get any lower than that. He says, I am the foundation to which you live your life from. Do you know how deep I am, Greg? It's solid, man. And it goes right down to the core of the earth and beyond. So live and then receive and continue to receive the gospel because it's about power, not words. And man, does man struggle with that in the church? Because everybody that's got a high IQ has built their knowledge and their identity and their purpose and what they think they know doesn't like this message. Because you go, you know what? It's all useless unless it's changing you. It is useless. But I've built my whole ministry on that. Don't care. It's useless. Unless you can live it. This isn't a show and tell. This is about living. This isn't about let me tell you how much I know. It's about can you demonstrate Christ on this earth for a church and a lost world? Full stop. That's why I love about it. Because the most simple person like myself, who struggled through school and just scraped in, can actually be the most mature in the body. Because it's got nothing to do with my ability to understand this in my head and everything to do with my heart to receive it through his power. Then my mind gets renewed. That gives me the authority to speak of something that's been revealed in me. And it pisses off, I'm sorry, everybody who's in their head. How can you be up there doing that when I've got the letters behind my name? I went to 10 years of Bible college. I don't know. He's called God. Sort it out with him and stop beating me up for trying to live out my life. (laughs) Sorry. It is the truth. And the church needs to wake up to it. Because until we wake up to it, we're never going to enter into the life that he's called us to live. See, the system must come down for us to receive this life. We're never going to come into it through institutionalized thinking, which is here and here. We're never going to come into it through our traditions. We're never going to come into it by singing songs in the sense of we just go through rote, we do our things, we write our notes. It's not going to happen like that. It comes through our surrender, our weakness, our vulnerability, our transparency to say, Father, I can't. He says, I've been waiting. And because I'm outside of time, it's like one day to me. I know it's been 10 years for you. And now I see you're ready. I see you're ready. You thought you were ready here. There was a lot more that needed to get happening. I now know you're ready. And somehow in that heart cry of desperation, there's an interaction and the gospel comes. I'm not talking about a one-off event. I'm talking about a lifestyle and process of continuous seeking. Where all of a sudden it's like 
the gate opens and it's just a floodgate of revelation. It's like, turn it off, turn it off. Sorry, turn it off, turn it off. He's like, I said you wanted more. I do, but turn it off. Come on, I've given you a capacity to undercarry this. It's limitless in the spirit. That's what he said to me about three months ago. I said, man, I've got too much. Can you turn it off? He said, I've given you a capacity which is limitless. You can carry 20 things about me at once. Why? Because you're not carrying it. I am in you. Why? Because of this gospel. Let's just go to 1 Corinthians 10. I want to show us something which is so powerful. And it's why there is stuff that goes on in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 10. Sorry, 1 Corinthians 1, 10 to 17. One Corinthians 1, 10 to 17. Now I exhort you, brethren, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, that you all agree, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. He doesn't want any division, does he? Zero division. For I have been informed concerning you, my brothers, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul. I am of Apostle, and I of Cephas, or Peter, and I of Christ. It's like saying this, I'm of Greg. Well, I'm of Rodney. Well, I'm of Sam, and I'm of Danielle. That's what it's like. That's what happens today. People go, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm that person, because I like them or I like their teaching, but I'm not of that person. And uh, I, I know we're of this people group, and we're of that people group. And all of a sudden you get this splits and you get people following individuals, not following Christ. And you get people who are more concerned about their personal relationships, their natural relationships over truth. So they now start putting their natural physical relationships ahead of God. And they make decisions based on that. Because one particular person didn't like what was being said, so they left. So we're going with them because... I've got a greater connection with them than I have with Christ that I can hear the truth. Now you've just put your own relationship at risk. You hear what I'm saying? No individual, you cannot fundamentally have a greater relationship with a physical person than Christ because when he comes to test it, you'll be found out. And you will always choose the one you love over the one you're supposed to love if he's not the one you love. That's why he says you can't love another more than me. He's not trying to be horrible. He's saying when the test comes, you're going to choose the other person you love. Why? Because where your treasure is, there you will find your heart. And what happens when someone smashes your heart? It breaks. What if someone nicks something that's your treasure? They nick your heart. So if you put your heart in stuff... People, money, business, sport, and someone comes along and goes, there you go. That was your treasure. What else have they stood on? Your heart. You understand what I'm saying? If a thief comes in and you're a millionaire and you keep your money in your safe and he breaks in and nicks your money, what's he nicked? Your heart. Guard your heart. Why? It's the wellspring of life. If someone comes in and nicks your treasure, they nick your heart, break your heart, you're gone. Yeah? This is what he's saying. This is how serious this is for us. He's saying there shouldn't be this division. You shouldn't be of this and you shouldn't be of that. We're all to be of Christ. Understanding the gifts that Christ has given. Understanding the function. This is why it's so important we understand the pattern of God. Because these people, when they speak, man, they come with power and fire. And our flesh again, ooh, our spirit, come on, bring it. Yeah? All right. Are you still with me? Good. Uh, I'm a Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say you were baptized in my name. 
Now, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be void. Paul reiterates this in 2 Corinthians. I don't come in cleverness of speech so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. I don't want to fancy it up. I'm not going to try and get you into your minds because that would be leading you to sit your faith on the wisdom of man, not the power of God. But see, these guys weren't of one mind. Why not? Why were they fighting? He says, have the same mind. Have the same judgment. So why are they actually fighting? And why is he saying, I don't come with cleverness of words? See, I'm identifying there's a problem here. Those who receive the true gospel the way the gospel is received are of the same mind. That's what the gospel does. It renews the mind to the reality of God. So we and Sophie are no longer fighting. She's no longer of Sam and I'm no longer of LJ. We're of Christ. The word of God does the work of God. So the reason why there is so much division in the body of Christ is because we don't have the mind of Christ because we haven't received the gospel the way God intends. We receive it through our wisdom and we try to understand it through our mind. So then we create arguments. Well, I know this and I know that and I know this and I know that. But the gospel does this. One. One. One mind. One purpose. One spirit. One love. I pray that you would be one. Not ten. One. Can you see it? And then you look and you see it in the body of Christ. And you go, there must be a reason for that. Because the gospel brings oneness, not division. The true Christ brings oneness, not division. So I'm not going to paint this up with fancy words. What I'm going to do, I'm going to bring in power and the spirit of the demonstration of the spirit. I'm not a man that presents it in persuasive words. I learned that. I'm a man that comes in the demonstration of power and wisdom. Why? So your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man's ability to articulate something that leads you dry, but comes in the power of God that you won't understand if you try and understand it through your mind, but if you receive it through humility in your heart, it's going to pierce your heart, enter in, and you'll go, I can live that out. Can you hear the complete different operating system? So why is it we can have a form of godliness and deny its power? Why is it we're not receiving the gospel the way God intended? The gospel comes with power. The other gospel doesn't come with power. It comes painted as very wise and sounds great, but it's got no power. The other Jesus that Paul is warning everybody out is not Buddha. It's another form of Christ. It's a flesh version of Christ, because I try to understand Christ through my mind first, not the spirit that then renews my mind. Can you hear what I'm saying? I am a mind guy. I've been accused of not being a mind guy. I'm a mind of Christ guy. I have the mind of Christ, hence I see stuff, hence I wrote a book. The mind of Christ opens up the realm, but it's not my first point of call of understanding. Jesus says you don't understand because you can't hear. So where does hearing start? In your head or in the spirit? In the spirit. So then the spirit renews the mind, which opens it up so you can see and have the mind of Christ, and you just start walking in accordance to it. So we can have a form of godliness, tick all the right boxes, go through the right hoops, pat ourselves on the back, and he says, right, we're going to test this work. There's a fire coming. What for? To test to see whether you're in the faith. Because your faith is supposed to be more precious than gold. And you've got plenty of gold, but you've got faith that can go through a fire. And that's how we're going to test it. What for? To make me feel bad? No. To show you if you fail, you're not on the right path. To get you back on the narrow path. Because wide is the path that leads to destruction. And narrow is the way that leads to life. 
Everything he does is for you and I, so we can experience the full life. So when he comes and he judges us and his fire goes through us, there is eternal work in us that actually goes, well done. The fire didn't burn all your wood, hay and stubble out. So you got nothing, but you escape through the fire and you're in. You're there, but he has way more for us than that, doesn't he? He says, I've got a crown of righteousness I want to give you. But it requires love, obedience, faithfulness. And if you posture yourself to receive the gospel the way I intended, through the power of the Spirit, it'll receive into your spirit. And he says this, you've been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And Paul said, we are stewards of these mysteries. And we speak of them freely for the church to come into all that the Father has. Why? And now, so they can live in accordance with the future. So where have you been invited to sit? Where? The right. You're actually invited to sit at his right hand on his throne. Okay? It's not your own throne, it's his throne. Sounds like a husband and a wife. It's a, it's a throne of royalty. It's a throne of rulership. And it says in John, if I'm going to follow him, I must serve him the way he intends. Not the way I intend. And the Father wants to honor all those who follow and serve him the way the Bible says. What are we getting honored with? I think it's pretty high stakes to sit right there with him on a throne. Aren't we co-heirs? See, we and Paul is in this reality. It's not just words on a page. He comes into the finished work. He writes from the finished work, not towards it. Can you hear the difference? I know it. I see it. Let me write it. Why? So you can know it, see it, walk it out. See, that life in the church through the gospel of peace, no one can rob it. No one can take it off you. When the enemy comes because he'll come, you recognize the lie. You will be persecuted for righteousness by those that love you and those that don't love you. Just get over it and love on them. It's the way of the kingdom. Why? Because they don't understand. Okay? They wouldn't have killed Jesus if they knew what they were doing. Father, forgive. That's where love is. See, he's able to see they don't know what they're doing. So I forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. People don't know really why they do what they do when they do it to hurt. They're a child that's struggling with their own pain, and they just lash out because they're hurt, because someone hurt them, because someone hurt them, because someone hurt them, because someone hurt them. Our identity doesn't come from our mum and dad. You were chosen before the foundations of the earth to have your identity in your father. I get it. If our life has been terrible because of our upbringing, I get that. But we have to seek him and allow him to do a work in us because for that to define us would be robbery of who you were because before your mum and dad were born, before their parents were born, before anyone was born, God said, you're mine and I see you and I call you. And yes, it might be 2,000, 4,000 years into the future, but you need to discover the true father that I am and you are to me so you can find the identity I called you because that person was messed up, that person was messed up, that person, and that person was messed up, but... There was only ever going to be one of you. And when all that, and I love Todd White, he talks about when all that sperm went up the birth canal to the egg, and he was the last one. And he talks about everyone whacking in, trying to get in with jackhammers into the egg to fertilize it. He just goes, sorry guys, here I am. Because I was predestined before the foundation of the earth to enter into that. I'm sorry, it's my door in. And that's where you find your identity. Not in someone else, not in a mum and a dad. As sucky as it might have been. Guys, we've got to position ourselves to receive the gospel of peace, to let the gospel, God's heart, define us and live in accordance to that. Amen? All right. Can we stand? I want to pray.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that we are right in you. We've received your robe of righteousness, God. We are already right. We are blameless, spotless, washed by your blood, perfect in your sight, Father. We thank you that that is who we are. And God, open up our eyes to see it, our ears to hear it, to come into the full reality, the truth of who we are in you that we may be able to live this life out to the fullest, having you as our identity and as our armor in us. Father, we acknowledge our absolute dependency upon you tonight. Holy Spirit, we, we say, yes, we are so in need of you doing the work. Father, I pray if we're trying, we would relinquish, we would repent, and just ask you, Father, you've already forgiven us just to confess it to someone. And just reposition us again tonight, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge that every promise in you is yes. And you are unchangeable and you do not lie. Even though you called it, you will have a son. But the son is coming in 25 years. Don't get off the track. Believe in the spoken word that I speak. The Rema word. It will happen if I have spoken it. Father, I thank you that Your timing is not ours. And so bring us into your timing. I pray, God, we would wait. We would learn what it means to wait and be still while you go and do this work. There are things you maybe want to identify that you can't build until they are extracted from us. Because then it would be to build on a false foundation and you won't do that. Because you want to build on a solid foundation. And there are things in our hearts that we don't even know are there, so reveal them that we can repent of them and ask your power to come and heal us and realign us through the power of your gospel, your son, Jesus Christ. So God, tonight, I thank you for this work that you're doing. I thank you for this people group here, meaning the rock people. I thank you for those that are here going after you. You said to me 10 years ago, I want to build my church here, Greg, will you let me? Will you move outside and let me sit and build the way I intend? Will you be a voice for the way I build it? For I've shown it to you. And I thank you, God, you've been building for 10 years. And you have a very specific plan and purpose and picture in mind that you're building to. And tonight, God, I pray into her again. I thank you, Father, that she has robes of white on. Some suits, some robes. I thank you, Father, they are male and female staring up into the light. And the light is all surrounding them, moving through them, Father. And they are like angels of light, just glorifying your name and staring into the light. I thank you, Father, that is your bride, that is your people, your nation, your body, your sons that all of creation longs for. These are the people that our heroes are charging us and encouraging us on for they cannot be made perfect until we come in. And so, Father, we have angels. We have those gone before us cheering us, encouraging us, ministering spirits that we would finish this race set before us and finish it well together. And we identify it. We speak into it, God. I prophesy that the testimony of Jesus is the Spirit and one prophesies what Jesus has done is the Spirit, the living reality that you've shown me, that I've received, I speak again. Father, in the hope that we would hear and see and understand that we would turn and live if we're not towards this vision, this purpose to become her, to become who we are in the fulfillment of it. Give us vision. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, to see. As Johnny said, brand new eyes. To see the brand new reality of the new created life. And then may we share to the measure we know with anybody and everybody that's hungry. And may we share of the love and the life with the lost and with the found. For your heart is for her. 
and you will have her. And I thank you, Father, for your plans and your purposes that are perfect and that are yes and amen. And that you are outworking them here in all of our lives. So, Father, may we love one another. May we encourage one another. May we walk together. May we get real with each other. And may we all keep our eyes on you as you build us into your image. In Jesus' name, amen.